Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. I've been hanging out with a couple groups of people. And um, we've kind of been talking about discipleship. And um, we have downline emerging leaders here with us this morning. So shout out to Downline and their team. Glad you could be with us. But one of the things that I'm fighting for with this particular group is that, man, you know, usually when we come together and we start talking about discipling, it, it's, it's either, hey, let's hang out together or let's just transmit truth. Let me teach you something, information. Um, and I think we need to, I'm fighting for us in Big C Church to regain the passing on of disciplines too, not just information. So you want to disciple somebody? Just say, hey, come spend an hour in prayer with me. I'm not teaching you anything, but pray with me. Hey, come worship with me. Oh, I can't play. Don't worry. I'm going to set a playlist, and we're just going to sing together. And if you can't sing, you just wave your hands, and you just nod. But let's do the disciplines together, right? Because it's through the spiritual disciplines that have been reclassified as works. But we need to reteach people how to get God's grace into them. Amen. That's another sermon for another day. Amen. But we here, and I love singing with you, not just because I like singing, because I do love singing, but I know some of your hearts don't even need the word exposited to regain its strength. Some of y'all, if you can just be in the presence of God with his people, sometimes as you are singing the truths, you can grab those things for yourself. Some of y'all have left worship, and you have received more in 10 seconds of worship than you received from the message, and you know it's true. Some of y'all have received more when you just came in the communion line and reminded yourself, this is his body for me. Come on, man. And that's a part of the disciplines that we do. The disciplines aren't just work. They are ways that God is trying to get his grace to you. Amen, somebody. Come on, don't give up on them. So, hey, this is Leadership Month at the Avenue Community Church. Uh, officer nominations are now open. When we say officers at the Avenue, we're talking about elders and deacons at the Avenue. We are still a complementarian church, which doesn't mean that men are superior and women are our footstools, though that's how it goes down in my house. I'm just playing, just playing. Everybody who knows that the pastor just sat for literally two minutes and held a fan while his wife, everybody knows who's running things where I live. So, amen. So we, you know that don't even fly around here. Um, but we do believe um, um, in, in a certain system of government. So we, we are looking for spirit-filled men, um, men who have the character that matches sound theology, men who are humble, who don't want to dominate us, we ain't interested in men who just want to dominate us, but we are interested in men who want to be there for us. 
who do care for us and who be willing to take a little less comfort in their own homes to ensure the care for the body. We're prayerfully looking for those kind of men to nominate as elders. We're looking for similarly the same type of men and women to serve as deacons in this church, maybe a little less involved in the, in the higher tier decisions, but helping us in the middle management just take care of things that need to be taken care of uh, in the church. And so one of the things that I decided we do is every August, not just assume you know what, how to pick a good watermelon. That maybe, let me just call to mind the things that we are looking for to celebrate in our leaders. And last week we talked about humility. This week we'll talk about courage. Everybody say courage. You know, um, as, as I think about courage, um, you know, one of the temptations as we think about courage is to kind of relegate them to like superhero virtues. You know what I'm saying? How many of y'all, Marvel versus, what's the other one? DC, I don't even watch the other one. Marvel and what's the other one, you know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? Superman, you know, Batman, all these kind of superhuman characteristics. And those guys, I remember, uh, you know, where my old head's at in the room, you know. I grew up and my first superhero was Mighty Mouse. That probably was because PT had the big ears, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I had the flappy flap flaps. And so, you know, but, you know, Mighty Mouse, it was little and diminutive in stature, but he had courage, you know what I'm saying? Little Mighty Mouse had some courage, right? Um, and all of our superheroes, when they stop the trains and they fly over this, they've got courage. And then, you know, uh, every once in a while, you know, Pastor Tim's favorite morning show is the Today Show. You know what I'm saying? And so as I'm watching, you know, you move into the second and third hours and all the, 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 the hot news, hot button news is passed. Now they're doing human interest stories. You know what I'm saying? And then you find these people who, you know, they were going to uh, uh, the Grand Canyon and, and you know what? They were brought the family and the kid was about to fall off the cliff. And then all of a sudden dad swoops down and he grabs the kid with his foot because, you know, just crazy stuff. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my gosh, how did that happen? You know what I'm saying? But these people who show these special uncommon qualities of courage and save people. And it's like, oh my gosh, I would have never jumped inside of the cavern to save my kid. I just, oh my God, you know, that's, that's how we all get those feels. Because we have relegated courage to being something kind of out of the ordinary. We've not normalized it as something that we should be practicing in our everyday lives. And we have not properly recognized it as some of the things that y'all do on your regular basis. Like, man, it takes a lot of courage to navigate your world. And let me just tell you, body of Christ, you, whoever you are in the room, I just want to reassure you that a lot of you are more courageous than you think. And it does and it will take courage to get you from here safely to your master's arms. We ain't done with courage. Tell your neighbor, say, we ain't done with courage. So we've got a simple little story that I just thought, man, this would be so cool to preach to our body. Um, and uh, it's, very, it's a very familiar portion of Scripture. Uh, you know, Exodus is famous for what? What big events? That's right. Ten Commandments parting the Red Sea, right? That's a, a big moment, right? Um, um, Jesus fasted for 40 days. Where was he? In the wilderness, that's a big moment. And then all of a sudden, the little guy with the little slingshot wound it up, and who'd he hit? And who was the little guy? 
right? Right, David and God. Those are big moments, right? Big showdowns in Scripture. And so where we are today, if some of y'all know 1 Kings 18, is another big showdown in Scripture. And whenever you have big showdowns in Scripture, come on, man. Oh, these are not just kid stories. These are not just little fairy tale things that we teach our younger Christians, right, so that we keep them interested. But when you see David and Goliath, you see the parting of the Red Sea. When you see Jesus showing him, showed the showdown in the wilderness with the devil, that's for you, adult Christian. And when we get to Mount Carmel, a very familiar place in Scripture, it's another big showdown moment where the prophets of Asherah and Baal will eventually uh, be set against God's singular man, the representative of Yahweh. This is a big moment in Scripture. But people typically preach about the end portion of it, where they're in the showdown and, you know, uh, all the prophets of Asherah and Baal, you know, they're praying and they're eventually cutting themselves, trying to get the fire to come on the altar. They're trying to demonstrate who has the power. And then Elijah's mocking them. He's like, maybe y'all God went to the bathroom. You know, maybe y'all God, he got PTO some time off and he took a couple days. He'll be back in a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So Elijah's making a fool of them and eventually Yahweh comes and demonstrates his unrivaled power over his enemies. That's for you, adult. That's not for the kids. That's for you, adult. Can I get a witness? Somebody. Anytime your God demonstrates his control over the inanimate and animate objects in all creation, that's supposed to do something to you. It's all right, I'm off it. We'll keep pushing. But I, what I wanted to talk about was a little story embedded before we get to the big showdown. I think it's really, really cool. It's just about courage, right? It's just about normalizing courage and what it looks like in our everyday lives. And I want to tell you today that courage is not a super virtue for the select few, but courage is a, an essential aspect of biblical leadership. Courage is not a super virtue for the select few, but it is an essential aspect of biblical leadership, and we need to look for it. So let's talk really quickly about our buddy Obadiah. So what's happened now, really quickly, uh, um, God's kingdom was the first three kings of Israel, right? You know, you had Saul, you had David, then you have Solomon, then Jeroboam, Rehoboam, them things split, right? So there's, there's a kingdom in, in Israel, there's a kingdom in Judah. And so uh, what, what has happened is these kings, when you get into 1 Kings and 2 Kings, all of these kings are constantly being assessed that they did evil in the Lord's eyes. This one was faithful to Yahweh. You'll see all of it. It's just kind of lined out very, very simply and succinctly like that. Well, what has happened is now Ahab is on the throne. He's got a very popular wife who you've all have heard about. I think there was even a famous, famous song by one of the great prophets of the 21st century. Jezebel. Is that, is that right? No? There's a Jeze- Jezebel. I don't know one of them. Jezebel is the one who's married to King Ahab. But they were evil little people, right? And they were tormenting uh, God's people. God, judgment on side of the land, there is a drought. There's a famine, okay? And so when we pick up in 18, there is a severe famine, and now we meet Obadiah. Everybody say Obadiah. Come on, man. Before that became the most popular name of all the country, white folks and black folks, it was a biblical name. Obadiah. Jedediah, son of Diah. Just put an I on there. There's something in there. You get in there, right? 
But Obadiah is the person we meet in 1 Kings 18. And what we learn about Obadiah in verse 3 is that Obadiah is actually a palace administrator for King Ahab. Okay, King Ahab, the evil king, married to evil Jezebel, he's been tormenting God's prophets, and he's been leading um, Israel into unfaithfulness. But, everybody say, but. We meet Obadiah, who is the palace administrator for the king. He's, he's literally in the inner courts. And what we learn about Obadiah in parentheses, if you have your Bibles with you, in verse 3, is that Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. Come on, somebody ought to. Somebody. Come on, man. Come on, man. Can I just tell, give you one reason to praise Yahweh today? Because Yahweh's in the hiding business. Somebody, I'm going to tell you. I just want to tell you right now. Some of y'all think you're alone in some spaces. <laughs> some of y'all think you're lonely. You don't got no community. You think in your job you're the only believer. I just want to tell you about my God who hides some people. You think it's desolate in the White House. You think it's crazy in civil court or wherever it, you might be. You think at the top of the ladder of your business ain't nothing there but ungodliness. But God knows how to hide some people in some places. So he is hidden Obadiah there. And the scripture tells us that Obadiah was a faithful worshiper of Yahweh. Now, do you know what it takes to be faithful to Yahweh in a crazy regime like Ahab and Jezebel, who have literally murdered countless of God's prophets? This man is still maintaining his faith. You know why? Because it takes courage. It just takes courage. It takes courage to be faithful. That's my first point. You can write it down. It just takes courage to be faithful, period. I love this quote by John Mark Homer. He just says that the world is a system of ideals and of ideas, values, morals, practices, and social norms that are integrated into the mainstream. Let's just pause for a second. The world is a system of ideas, values, morals, practices, and social norms that are integrated into the mainstream. No, we don't live in Babylon. No, we don't. We don't have Baal and worshipers and Asherah worshipers. No, we don't have nobody in authority. But we still live in the world. And the world is, yes, it's Yahweh's, but everybody don't know that and everybody don't live like that. And I know that some of us prefer not to uh, think about our world in terms of two kingdoms at war with each other. But I'm just telling you what it is. Amen, somebody. Amen, Indy. I love you too, girl. She was so happy last week. She was like, praise the Lord, Pastor Tim. And I was loving all this. I'm saying, I'm sorry. But the world is a system of ideas, values, morals, practices, and social norms that are integrated into the mainstream. My favorite part. And they are institutionalized in a culture corrupted by the twin sins of rebellion against God and the redefinition of good and evil. Basically, this is actually, I think, a sentence or so before my favorite quote, but John Mark Comer says that basically what happens in our culture is sin gets normalized. The things that the Bible against become normalized in a culture. Can I just tell you, that has been true for all of redemptive history. Christianity or the true practice of it has never actually been the norm. We are always swimming upstream. Thus, it will always take courage to be faithful to Jesus. 
So if you don't find yourself feeling like you have to do courageous things, you might be going with culture and not against it. As long as true worship has existed, there has been false worship and there's been opposition. As long as true worship has existed, there's always been false worship and opposition. You better know it and embrace it. And true Christianity has and will always be forced to exist in hostile territory. We will always be foreigners establishing our native customs in an unfamiliar country. Let me read it slow. We will always be foreigners establishing our native customs in an unfamiliar country. It's always, always going to be. And it will take courage for you to just do the bare minimum of what God is asking you to do. So it takes courage to be faithful. And God has hidden Obadiah in the midst of that to do it. It takes courage to do more. Let me just abbreviate this story a little bit. What's happened is King Ahab and Jezebel, they're doing evil. But God's prophet Elijah is calling it out. And so now there is literally a most wanted sign for Elijah. And uh, some of y'all who know popular culture know what on site means. Okay then. I just want you to put that in your mind. That if Elijah is spotted, it's supposed to be some trouble going down on site. Ain't no deliberation. We about to take care of business. The great troubler of Israel is Elijah, according to King Ahab. And so, literally, there is, uh, uh, not only is there um, going to be punishment for Elijah, but there's also going to be punishment for those who are associated with him. And so, Obadiah, though faithful, is just like us. That brother's scared. Soon as that brother see Elijah, he like, bruh, is that you? It's so good to see you. But you do know. If I get caught with you, okay then, okay, okay. So, hey man, it's been nice. So Abadiah, he is, he is fearful as all get out. But he starts having a conversation with Elijah. I'll just read a little bit of it. It's fun. It says Obadiah was walking along. Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground and said, is it really you, my Lord Elijah? Yes, he replied. And here's the crux. Elijah says... I want you to go tell the man that's looking for me, here I am. I'm here. I'm ready to meet up. Okay, then. So it's like, hey, bro, you know that I could be killed by talking to you. Yes, but I want you to go tell your master you have been talking to me and I'm ready to talk to him. Now, I don't know how that would fly in your house, but it didn't fly well with Obadiah. Obadiah said, what's his first thing? He said, what did I do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> he said, what did I do wrong? Hello, man. What have I done wrong that you are handing me over to Ahab to be put to death? As surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or a kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or a kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say Elijah's here? I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you when you leave. But if I go and tell Ahab he doesn't find you, he's going to kill me. Yet I, your servant, listen to this, y'all. 
Yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, Elijah, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifty in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you go and tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah's here? He's going to kill me. Y'all, this is, has been the most mind-blowing portion of Scripture I have read probably in a couple months. Because you need courage to be faithful, Obadiah, and you've been doing that. But you also need courage to do more. See, Obadiah has been doing some theologizing, hasn't he? He's been doing some theodicy. He's got his own systematic understanding of suffering and the amount of it and how much is proportioned to his faithfulness. And what Obadiah has done is he thinks he's obeyed his way out of the next test. I know I'm preaching because it's in the book. That is what it is. Obadiah said, bruh, mm-mm, this ain't the way that works. I didn't already clean my room. That's, that's what happens in my house. Mama, but I already cleaned my room. Why I got to wash the dishes too? Because you live here? Amen, sister. Amen. I wonder how many of y'all in this room are just like Obadiah. Maybe you, maybe you right now in this season, you already feel like you've done enough. Isn't it time for my blessing? Isn't it time to pull me out the frying pan? Come on, man. Literally, your prophets are being killed. I took my personal resources. I've hid them in a cave at my own expense. I've fed them at my own expense. I've given them water at my own expense. Isn't it time, Lord, that I cash in on my obedience? It takes a lot of courage to do more. Maybe today, I know we live in a culture where we are fixated on our peace and vibes and all the things, you know what I'm saying? It's like, man, you know what? I, I could do that, but I ain't disturbing what I got going on right here. You know, I got to set boundaries and I got to, you know, protect my energy. All the things I know we say. But I cannot promise you that God won't call you to do more things that might trigger you I can't promise you that God doesn't call you to step in more scary spaces after you have lived 40 weeks in scary space that your 41st week won't be even scarier than the ones you left. I cannot promise you that. As a matter of fact, I can promise you that eventually we're going to not just be asked to be courageous to do faithful things, but to do more faithful things in the middle of a hard season. You, God, my marriage already tilted. God, I'm already in crazy seasons with my job and my employees, and now you're going to ask me to do this? Yes, 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 yes. That's not God being unfair to you. That's not a tough break. That's just an invitation to stay in line with the tradition of Scripture and to be courageous. 
basically, I know every new year, D, we love, we laugh over here. Because, you know, some of us come from churches where every January 1st is your season. But what if God used me today just to tell some of y'all that maybe this isn't going to be a new season? That maybe your season isn't over. But the good news is that his power is not over and his presence is not over either. Be courageous. So you need, you need courage to be faithful. You need courage to do more than maybe what you're already doing. And then you need courage under fire. Eventually, we do get to the end. Elijah meets up with Ahab, and they see each other. And they kind of set the table for the big showdown. It says, verse 16, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when he said Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Elijah replied, I have not made trouble for Israel but you actually, my boy, you and your father's family, you have. You have abandoned the Lord's command and followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400, and, uh, 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. I would encourage you, this is such an encouraging story, to read the rest of it. Dr. Charles Stanley just says, courage is the quality of mind, it's the spirit enabling us to meet danger, to face opposition, or the challenges of life with fearlessness, calmness, and firmness. Believer, what is courage? It's, it's a quality of mind, it's the spirit enabling us to meet danger, to face opposition, or the challenges of life with fearlessness, calmness, and firmness. And what I'm telling you today is that courage is the, it's not what special people do. It is the absolute standard of biblical leadership. We do not want people leading us who don't have courage. We do not want people leading us who are addicted to comfort. We want people who will roll up them sleeves and bear up under some stuff. We want people who demonstrate an uncanny ability to have integrity under pressure. Not because they're superhuman, but because they're filled with God's Spirit. Courage is commanded, why? This is not, courage is not some secular kind of idea that we read into the Bible. When God's people were bought out of Egypt, the transition happened between Moses and the Joshua. You get into Joshua, the first chapter. What does it say? Hey, Joshua, be strong and courageous. That's what it says, right? But I, I love the end of it. Verse 9 just simply says this. He said, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? 
Do not be discouraged. Do not fear or be dismayed. Why? Because I am with you always. We want people leading us who, if they don't know anything else, they know that. Bro, I don't know what to do about that. I know God is with us. And so we're not going to cower. We're going to bear up under that thing. See, people don't like preaching the Old Testament. They get a little wonky with the Old Testament because out of fear of moralism, it's like, okay, they look at these passages and they're like, all they can deduce is, what's the application? Oh, we need to be more courageous. And it's like, oh, no, well, that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. And it's like, oh, no, bonehead, that has everything to do with Jesus. That has everything to do with Jesus. Because here's the thing, if there is any virtue that we ever find out of Scripture, they all come to their completion and fullness in Jesus. If there is any virtue that is natural to be celebrated, love, kindness, compassion, courage, humility, they all find the pinnacle of their representation in our Christ. So we can always preach virtue because we know who it's pointing to and we know who's going to enable us to demonstrate any bit that we can muster up. If there's any courage that we see in this room, it'll all be because God's Spirit has empowered us to be courageous. So preach David and Goliath and tell your babies to be courageous. Preach Moses part in the Red Sea and tell them to be strong and, and, and move forward. And remind them that's what their Savior did before, for us, despising the shame. Set his heart like flint towards Jerusalem, and he was courageous going to that cross to die for our sins, not just to forgive us, so that he can empower a people to live like he did, courageously. You need courage, man. You need courage to pursue that fractured relationship for the glory of God. You need courage to figure out whether or not you need to stay or whether or not you go. You need courage in your parenting not to cower underneath a hard season. You need courage to resist that second helping of sin. You need courage to navigate difficult combos. Don't run away from your trials. Sometimes you got to run up in them things. And you got to believe that my God will not fail me in my hour of need, that he will empower me by his spirit to be courageous just like he was. We um, had some people who did some really cool things. We have... um, a young woman who courageously said, hey man, I've been living my life a certain way, but I know it's not the way that I should. I don't want to follow Jesus. Her name's Latrivia, and we're going to go downstairs and we're going to baptize her. And we had some middle school children who were like, hey man, and I'm going to just tell you, they got some testimonies. Things that they had to say, ah, 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 to say, I want to follow Jesus for the first time. 
as you leave this room today, are you addicted to comfort? Is your only goal in life to make your next breath more comfortable than the last one you took? Then you're missing out on the great adventure that is following Jesus. Who can bring you comfortable moments but can, can sustain you through the difficult ones? See, that's the gospel. We have a good father. He will bring us comfortable moments at, at points because he's good like that. But we also have a great big God who can sustain us and empower us to demonstrate courage in the uncomfortable ones. Where is God challenging you today to be strong and courageous? And will you take that step of faith today?